Well, MPs debated the validity of invoking the Emergencies Act last night in Parliament before a historic vote went ahead to approve it. There were many interesting points put forth, lots of debate, among them those of Toronto area Conservative MP Michael Chong. And while I cannot support the motion, it's clear that the blockades in Ottawa and at the border were unlawful, illegal, and in many aspects, criminal. It's also clear that the existing laws of Canada did and could have effectively dealt with the situation. Michael Chong joins me now. He's the Conservative MP for Wellington Halton Hills and Shadow Minister for Foreign Affairs. Welcome to the show, Michael. Great to be here. Uh, It was a really interesting um, address that you gave Parliament yesterday during the debate over the Emergencies Act. And I I think listeners would be, it's important to understand where your objection to the invocation of it was, because I think you agreed with many of what what was put forth, but there were some serious areas where you you disagreed. And what, what were those? Well, quite simply, um, the Act requires the government uh, to meet a number of conditions before it can invoke a national emergency, before it can invoke a public order emergency. And one of those conditions is that there are no existing laws of Canada that can effectively deal with the situation. And I have concluded that there are existing laws that could have effectively and that did effectively deal with the situation concerning the four blockades at the international border crossings and the blockade of Ottawa. And so uh, I don't think the government has met the conditions the law has laid out. And that's why I don't, I didn't support, I don't support the indication of a national, uh, of a public order emergency. Now, I think there's a second um, reason why we shouldn't be supporting this. And that is because we can't be invoking, uh, the government can't be invoking its extraordinary powers under uh, a public order emergency every time there's a protest that involves a blockade. I think that leads us down a very dangerous path of overreach on part of the government. You mentioned that as well, that that when is, this is invoked by one party against one group, it could easily be invoked by another party against another group that others may disagree with, so that you, there is a slippery slope um, aspect to this. How, how, do you, how do you envision that? Well, I, I believe strongly in... Uh, a a justice system that is colorblind. I believe strongly in a justice system that is uh, based on the rule of law, uh, a justice system where one's race, religion, or creed does not determine uh, how or whether the law is enforced. And so I think uh, that's the kind of justice system that we should all be supporting Uh, In the current context, uh, the fact that it was used against this particular protest and blockade um, is concerning because it's never been used against other protests and blockades. I think the police clearly had all the tools they needed uh, in existing law to clear the blockades and restore law and order. If you look at, uh, here's the proof. Uh, The government announced these extraordinary emergency powers on the afternoon of February 14th, but they didn't actually publish the three orders in council that put these emergency powers into effect until several days later. Uh, The blockades at the border were cleared up before that point, and they were cleared up under the existing laws of Canada. So clearly, these extraordinary emergency powers weren't needed for the clearing of the blockades at Windsor, uh, Emerson, Manitoba, uh, Coots, Alberta, or Surrey, British Columbia. If you turn to the blockade in Ottawa, 
while the police service, the Ottawa police used the emergency powers to clear the blockade, uh, there's plenty of evidence that they didn't have to use those emergency powers, that they could have used existing powers and existing Canadian law to clear the blockade. And that was a point that was made by Chris Lewis, who's the former commissioner of the Ontario Provincial Police, the largest police force in the province of Ontario. He said exactly that uh, on Sunday this week. He said, uh, you know, whether it's uh, using tow trucks or, or towing vehicles or coordinating off a secure area in Ottawa, whether it's uh, arresting protesters uh, who are not following police direction, whether it's uh, clearing the streets of the protest, he said all of that could have been done under existing law. And he said, in fact, uh, it's done every pretty much, it's done on a regular basis in Ontario. He said, you know, every Canada Day, every Remembrance Day, uh, you know, those powers are used to, you know, in order to clear the downtown core uh, for Remembrance Day ceremonies or for Canada Day ceremonies. So it's it's clear that the, the existing laws of Canada were more than sufficient uh, to clear the blockades at the border and in Ottawa. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't compare this to Canada Day or Remembrance Day, but but what do you make of the fact that the Premier, uh, your Premier, wholeheartedly supported this? Yeah, I think uh, it's clear that the Premier, Premier Ford supported this. Um, but that's still not a condition necessary. That still doesn't meet the condition. And uh, under the act that requires there be no other law in Canada that can deal with this, effectively deal with the situation. And I would also add that, you know, a breakdown in, uh, in operational effectiveness of the police in Canada or a breakdown of federal provincial cooperation or, you know, the fact that uh, the federal government wasn't assisting in bringing resources to the support of a provincial uh, police force is no reason to trigger a, a national emergency. Uh, you know, national emergencies are extraordinary powers that should only be used in the very narrowest of circumstances. And because we had a breakdown here in, in law enforcement or a delay in the enforcement of the law, or, or lack of federal provincial cooperation, where one order of government, you know, wanted the other order of government to deal with the situation, uh, is no reason to use these extraordinary emergency powers. So you really see this as a failure of execution, not a failure of, of resources or failure of, of the laws that existed. Absolutely. Absolutely. What we have here, what the issue is here, is not a lack of laws to enforce, not a lack of laws to maintain law and order in this country. What we have is a breakdown in the rule of law, where for years now, uh, the rule of law has not been upheld. We've not been serious as a country about upholding the rule of law. We weren't serious about it uh, two years ago when pipelines in Western Canada and the CN mainline in Ontario were blockaded for weeks on end. Uh, we weren't serious about it this past year when statues were torn down in front of legislators with no consequence for those who perpetrated those uh, illegal acts. Uh, we've not been serious about it uh, when it comes to you know a whole range of other uh, illegal acts that have taken place. And so that's the issue here. The issue is we need to be more serious as a country about the rule of law and about ensuring that the police have the resources to enforce the law rather than using extraordinary emergency powers uh, to, to achieve those ends. 
You've spoken quite a bit about divisiveness of late and just this idea of trying to find common ground. And I want to ask you a bit about members of your own party were quite visibly supportive of these of this blockade in Ottawa, specifically at the beginning. Um, how do you think, first of all, what was the reaction to that? And how do we move beyond these episodes that you've mentioned over the past few years to find some common ground again, where there is this idea that both sides are encouraging others to, how shall we say it, uh, ignore the rule of law? Yeah, I, I think it's concerning that we are developing a culture in this country where one's race, religion, or creed determines how or whether the law is enforced. Um, I believe strongly that um, it shouldn't matter what person's race, religion, or creed is uh, when it comes to the enforcement of the law. I think the law should be blind to those things and that we should be all treated equally under the law and that all of us should be subject to the law. Uh, this is the kind of collective agreement that we have as a society in order to not only maintain law and order, but to protect our freedoms and our uh, democracy. You know, as I believe strongly that uh, freedom uh, is that the rule of law is essential for freedom because freedom without lawful limits leads to anarchy. And equally, uh, democracy needs the rule of law because a democracy without uh, the, the most basic law of our country, the Constitution, is nothing more than majoritarian mob rule. I'm speaking with Michael Chong, Conservative MP for Wellington Halton Hills, about the invocation of the Emergencies Act. Uh, and uh, Michael Chong is also the Shadow Minister for Foreign Affairs. There's obviously a lot going on around the world right now, but specifically uh, between Russia and the West, Russia and Ukraine. When we come back, uh, we'll speak about that. I'm back with Michael Chong, Conservative MP for Wellington Halton Hills and Shadow Minister for Foreign Affairs. I, I wanted to shift overseas now because we've seen some very, uh, very concerning developments in the last 24 hours, last 48 hours uh, coming out of Moscow. And uh, just what is your assessment of what's happened and, and how should we as Canada be responding to this? Well, what's happened in Eastern Europe is very concerning. Um, it's very concerning because first and foremost, Canada's security is inextricably tied to that of Europe. Uh, and Canadians know that well. Uh, we fought in two world wars uh, in Europe to defend democracy, freedom, and the rule of law. Some 100,000 Canadians died in those wars. Many of them are buried in the battlefields of Europe. And to see the most serious uh, potential outbreak of a war again in Europe since 1945 is very concerning. Um, it's also concerning because it is a serious threat uh, to the stability and peace that we have enjoyed uh, since 1945. That stability and peace since 1945 has been based on uh, a, a, an international system that Canada was instrumental in creating along with other democracies in the post-1945 period. Um, that rules-based international system is what has allowed us to live in one of the longest periods of peace and prosperity in history. Uh, and Russia and China, along with Russia, are threatening that very rules-based international order with some of the actions that they are undertaking, uh, Russia in Eastern Europe against Ukraine uh, and and China in the South China Sea. So it's a very, very concerning situation. What would you like to see Canada doing that you haven't seen Canada do yet in this latest uh, crisis? That's a great question. I, I'd like to see Canada 
uh, work more closely, more multilaterally with our closest democratic allies. Uh, you know, if you think about uh, a number of issues, Canada often hasn't been there with our democratic allies to support them. Um, up till recently, uh, both the you know many uh, European and uh, European allies and and the United States were granting Ukraine's request to provide lethal weapons uh, that it could use to defend itself against a Russian attack. Uh, Canada refused to send those lethal weapons until last week, Monday, where suddenly the government did a U-turn in its policy and decided to provide those lethal weapons. It's That's pretty late in the game to be providing those weapons. That should have been done months ago and on a much bigger scale. You know, when you look at uh, when you look at um, when you look at the potential for an attack, uh, the more Ukraine can bolster its defenses, whether it's anti-tank weapons, anti-aircraft weapons, um, and other weapons, it gives them a fighting chance to fight off a Russian attack. And they were desperate, desperate. They are desperately in need of that. Um, and so that's one area where I think the government should have months ago. Uh, provided lethal weapons and should have done so in a much bigger way than they announced last week Monday. I think the second uh, thing that the government should do differently is that going forward, it needs to ensure that it sanctions, that it, it works multilaterally to impose punitive sanctions on Russians uh, responsible for this violation of international law if they attack Ukraine. In the past, the Canadian government has been sporadically in concert sporadically uh, working with democratic allies to impose sanctions. Sometimes they do uh, impose sanctions in concert with other uh, allied democracies, and sometimes they don't. So my hope is that going forward, uh, that they impose the same sanctions that European democracies, that the United Kingdom, that the United States is imposing um, uh, on uh, Russians responsible for for the invasion. I, I know that over many years, we've spoken a lot about about the idea of provocation versus deterrence when it came to Vladimir Putin. Do you think those, I mean, it feels like those, those times have clearly passed uh, and Canada's fear of provocation uh, might be something not to, is that still a concern? Do you think? Well, I think that having taken off the table, the use of armed force on part of NATO allies to combat uh, a Russian attack uh, we have to use all the other tools in the toolbox. And I think some of those tools could be effective in holding, uh, in, in causing Putin, President Putin, uh, pause, uh, you know, in, in ordering an attack. And it, here's why. Um, Russia, Russian oligarchs, um, and President Putin himself have amassed a wealth that is staggering in terms. There are, Allegations that President Putin has amassed a wealth of, you know, uh, over a hundred billion dollars. Um, he's given that wealth uh, to to friends, to oligarchs and proxies close to him, who have stashed a lot of that outside of Russia overseas. And so, if we can impose sanctions, the threat of sanctions, or use the threat of sanctions uh, to target that wealth, I think it would give uh, President Putin a great deal of pause before. He ordered a full-fledged attack on Ukraine. Michael Chong, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you.